I'm telling you, hiring a good bookkeeper was the best financial decision. It's actually probably the best decision I've made for my business ever. Hello, hello everyone. What's up and welcome back to another episode and another season of the Freelance Friday podcast. Happy New Year to you all who are listening at the time of release. And I hate to be like the Debbie Downer, but my mind after the new year always goes to taxes, you know, end of the year. It's kind of like so bittersweet because you get to relish in all of your success. You get to celebrate the holidays with your friends and family, and then you get to write a big old check to the IRS. So today I wanted to kind of break down self-employment taxes and share some ways that you as a freelancer or self-employed person can prepare either for the tax deadline that's coming up here soon or for the next year. If you've kind of uh, missed some of these things, it's okay. We've all been there. I also want to let you know that taxes aren't that scary. Like once you do them a couple times, you start to get in a groove with them. You start to understand it it starts to become a little bit easier to sort of predict what's going to happen. You know, also the disclaimer at the top of this episode is I am not a tax professional. So all the information I'm going to be sharing is strictly anecdotal slash, you know, research that I've found on reputable websites, but I definitely recommend talking to a tax professional, especially if this is your first time filing self-employment taxes, because they can be a little confusing at first, but they don't have to be that confusing. Okay, so first let's talk about how freelance taxes actually work. So if you work a normal job, normal job, W-2 employment, you know, you get your W-2, you type it into TurboTax or whatever tax prep software you choose to use or bring it into H&R Block or whatever, and you usually get a refund depending on how much money you make. And you'll see at the bottom of all your paychecks and on your W-2, how much has been taken out of the money that's owed to you for things like taxes, I think medical care taxes, things like that. You'll, you'll see that number. Now for self-employed people, we get all of our money into our accounts, like just get paid untaxed. And then at the end of the year, we have to go back and do that math that our employer would be doing for us. So it's kind of just reverse. I used to think that freelance taxes were so unfair. Why do I have to pay in every single year? But really I'm just paying the same taxes I would be paying if I was an employee. I'm just doing it on the back end versus the front end, you dig? So according to Turbo tax. In addition to regular income tax, freelancers are responsible for paying the self-employment tax of 15.3% in 2021. This is freelancers in the US, of course. This tax represents the social security and Medicare taxes that ordinary employees have taken out of their paychecks automatically. So there you go. That's the current rate according to TurboTax. So the first thing that's really gonna help you in this regard is keeping track of your income. The reason this is so important is because that way you can just do a little bit of math every time you get an invoice in or every month or however often you wanna kind of reconcile your books and you'll have an idea of what your tax liability is going to be at the end of the year. An idea, at least a ballpark idea. When I first started freelancing, I mean, sometimes people are surprised to hear this, but like I had no idea how much money I was making my first year I was like, I'm paying the bills. (laughs) I'm paying my part of the bills. And so therefore I'm happy. I wasn't keeping track. And that was just stupid on a lot of levels because I, I would have this like low grade anxiety all year about taxes because I had no idea what I was actually going to owe. And, you know, it's just not good for a lot of other reasons too. So I just use a simple spreadsheet. It's not perfect. I do have a, a financial team now, an accountant and a bookkeeper who they have way more detailed records and they like track every penny that comes in. Whereas the spreadsheet I use kind of is just a high level. I have all of my revenue streams 
listed out in columns. And then every time I get an invoice in or a payment in or every month or whatever, I look at my statements and I just type in how much I made that month. So I have a high level view. I'm missing a few things. You know, the numbers aren't always perfect, but at least I can tell you if I made $400,000 this year or $40,000 this year, you know, I have a good estimate and therefore I can tell you about how much in taxes I'm going to owe as well. Now, when it comes to tax time, you are responsible for reporting your income you and or your team that you hire to help you with your taxes. There are also some tax forms that freelancers do get. The most common is a 1099 form. And this is also something that confused me for a long time because some of my clients would send them to me, some of them wouldn't. And I was like, why am I getting some and why am I not getting others? So a 1099 form, it's basically like a W-2 for a freelancer. It shows how much your clients paid you. So you can enter in those 1099s into your tax software. It's like an official record to the IRS of, you know, where you got your money and who paid it to you and things like that. It's really important that your numbers match. So if the client is submitting a 1099 to the IRS on their end, you should make sure that you are also submitting that 1099 on your end and that the numbers match. You don't want your client to say, oh, I paid them $15,000 and your records only say that they paid you 10,000 because now the IRS is like, well, she's mis she's not reporting $5,000 of income. It can get messy. So according to Bench, each client that a contractor invoices for more than $600 is required to send the contractor a 1099 form. Basically the form lists what they've paid them over the course of the year. And typically it will be sent out in January. I think the official deadline is your clients need to send them out by the end of January, January 31st. And again, the client also sends a copy to the IRS. So if you have invoiced a client for more than $600, you should be expecting a 1099 from them. If they're in the US, this is anecdotal, uh, usually my, you know, this is an American thing, right? So my clients in other countries don't usually send me 1099s, but I still report every bit of income that they paid me as um, there's a way to enter it in on, on your tax form as like miscellaneous income or whatever, um, income without a 1099. So do keep that in mind. Now, also, if the client doesn't send you a 1099, but you know that, you invoice them for more than $600, you should still report that income yourself. I've had that happen too, where I don't know if they were just like new in business and they didn't know how to do it, or maybe they were somebody who hired me just as a person, like they didn't have a business themselves. They were just a human who was investigating starting a business or whatever, then they didn't send me 1099s either, but you still have to report that income. So basically the moral of the story is keep track of all your income and wait until the end of January to file your taxes at least to make sure that you don't miss any 1099s. If you see any discrepancies, if your client is like, oh, they paid you 15 and you think you, you only got paid 10, talk to them about it to see if they can adjust that. Or maybe um, you missed something too. If you make money from a payment processor, like a PayPal, like a Stripe, anything like that, you get what's called a 1099K. So that will also populate, I think at the end of January for you. So it's very similar. It's just Stripe saying this is how much she got paid. And then you can report that. Now, if you owe any subcontractors, I know a lot of us, if you're further along in business, you also work with freelancers, you also need to do, you know, send them a 1099 by the end of January if you paid them more than $600. So if that is the case, make sure to send those out by the end of January or see step four, which we're gonna get to 
in a minute here. Okay, now just like you wanna track your income, you also want to track your expenses. These are kind of the two big categories on your taxes that influence how much you're gonna owe every single year in taxes. Yeah, again, this is why it's super important to separate your business and personal banking so that you can just go through your tax, your bank statements for your, your business account and start categorizing. If you use something like QuickBooks self-employed, this is really easy to do. You can just swipe left or right for business or personal expenses. And then you'll have like a running number in that app at the end of the year, which is really convenient. If you're doing it manually, just start a spreadsheet or something and make sure you keep records of these things. I did some research and try to figure out exactly how long you should keep records. And um, some sources said three years, some said four. So let's just say four, maybe five. If you're, um, you're anxious, like I am, you should keep your tax records and make sure that you have, you know, receipts and, or credit card, credit card transaction numbers and things like that so that you can, you know, prove your business expenses. Now, a big question is like, well, what is a business expense? Can I write off my vacation that I took last year? The answer to that one is no. <laughs> it's it's very hard to write off a vacation as a business expense. But, you know, there are more things that you could write off than you would probably think. The IRS rule is that it should be ordinary and necessary to run your business. So if you are a social media manager and you need a an iPad to go on site to clients and like manage their social real time or take pictures for them, that is probably able to be written off, assuming that you wouldn't buy that iPad normally. So like me, I actually have never had the desire to use an iPad. I never wanted one, but I do use it for my video production, which is for marketing my business. So therefore I was able to write off my iPad. But if it's like lipstick, right? I also buy a lot of lipstick and makeup and stuff to be on camera. And that's not something that I can write off because I would use that whether I was on camera or not maybe not as much of it, but I still would own lipstick and mascara and things like that, even if I wasn't a business owner. So expenses that can be written off should be, you know, necessary for the business and they shouldn't be excessive, right? Like when I travel for business, of course I write those trips off, but I am not getting like first class seats at, you know, this ridiculous five-star hotel that's, you know, $1,500 a night. Like I keep it pretty conservative just because I don't know, could I get away with that? Probably, maybe if I was getting paid enough to, to make it look legitimate, but I just don't want it to look sketchy. I don't want it to look like I'm, in, I'm taking advantage of those business expenses. So, you know, I book a normal hotel, I book a normal flight, things like that. Uh, some common business expenses, like I said, maybe tech or equipment that you use, computers, uh, tr business travel, food for business. If you take a client out to eat or buy them coffee, that one is a little weird though, because it's not like you can write off the entire amount. It's like 40%, I want to say. Uh, don't take my word for that. Look it up yourself, but it, it's kind of interesting. Pens, paper, keyboards, lighting, books, self-development, courses, education, you know, professional services like accounting, like coaching, like hiring a social media manager, right? Those are all things that usually can be written off. You'll wanna double check with your accountant if you have any questions about whether something counts as a business expense, but keep track of those things because how it works is you'll take your business income minus your business expenses, and then that's what you're going to be taxed on. So that's how that works. That's how you can get your tax liability down a little bit is writing things off 
but I've said this in so many videos before, you don't want to race to zero. You do not want to write off everything under the sun or just start buying iPads and things like that at the end of the year to bring your income down for a lot of reasons. One, it looks real sketchy. Two, if you want to qualify for a mortgage, if you want to um, prove your income, even for rent, like rent, you know, getting an apartment, they look at your income and your tax returns and things like that. So you don't want your total net profit to be zero or close to zero. You still want it to be high to prove that you're a profitable business. So do keep that in mind. Step three, save money. <laughs> Or if you are watching this right now or listening to this right now and you're anticipating the upcoming tax deadline, make some money. Like use this week, run a sale, launch something, um, make some money to be able to pay for that quarterly tax estimate that is coming up. You can use an estimated tax calculator to, I'll link one in the show notes, to get an idea of what you probably will owe. Again, this is not perfect and I am not a professional, just to say that one more time, but it'll give you a good ballpark so you know, okay, should I be saving $10,000? Should I be saving $100,000? So my recommendation is also just at the beginning of the year, look at the tax brackets. They change like every year, which is very frustrating, but you'll be able to see, okay, I made $100,000 last year. I am in this tax bracket, which is tax. I, I'm making this up, so please double check it, but tax 30%. So you know then for the upcoming year, every invoice you get in, you should be putting 30% of that invoice into a tax savings account. You know, check that out so you know, should I be saving 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%, depending on how much money you are making. So I just make a habit of, I, I'll be honest, I don't do like every single invoice that comes in. I just, every month I transfer some money over into a savings account. So that way I'm not missing it or spending it. I'm very, very frugal to begin with. I never get close to spending all my money, but in case you are a little more spendy or in case your cash Cash flow is a little bit lower, you will not be dipping into what should be used for taxes and then having to get on payment plans. And you know, it just gets really stressful. Don't panic though. Also, this is my uh, personal advice is like, I've never been in this situation, but I have had other freelance friends who they just, they couldn't pay what they owed. And you know, you don't immediately go to jail if that happens, right? That, you know, when you hear about people going to jail for like unpaid taxes, they're a lot of them, if you look at the numbers, you're like, wow, you really just didn't even try. <laughs> like they just didn't pay millions, right? So you can t work with the IRS. Um, at least that's what I've seen other freelance friends doing is getting on payment plans and things like that. So don't panic, but obviously you don't wanna be in that situation. You wanna be able to just write the check and get on with your life. So save some money, make some money, put it into a tax savings account so you are not in that situation. Okay, number four, I've been talking about this a little bit, but let's go in depth here, hire a good team. I'm telling you, hiring a good bookkeeper was the best financial decision. It's actually probably the best decision I've made for my business ever. If I had to truly, truly um, choose one single decision. I work with a team, they're called Evolved Finance. If you wanna check them out, they're my bookkeepers. I will link them down below. They do have some restrictions on what types of businesses they work with, how much money you need to be making, where you need to be located. So 
read through their website before contacting them. But if you are looking for a good team and you have a business like mine, they're worth checking out because they've truly changed my business. They've changed the way that I've looked at my business in terms of, you know, what I'm making and what I need to really focus on. They're really smart. They're really helpful. I couldn't say enough good things about them. And I want to explain what the difference between a bookkeeper and accountant is because I didn't know. I thought they were like the same thing and they're not. So a bookkeeper, they manage my day-to-day books or my day-to-day finances. So they have access to my bank accounts, to my PayPal, to my Stripe, to, you know, anywhere that I accept money and also anywhere that I pay money for the business, all my contractors information, they do the 1099s for me. So I'm not having to send out 1099s. I don't even know how to do that manually. I'm sure I could Google it and figure it out. But at the end of the year, they say, okay, you paid this contractor more than $600 and they live in the US. So we're sending them this blah, blah, blah. They take care of all that stuff for me. And then they also send me a dashboard every single month that shows how much money I made, how much money I spent, what my profit margin was, if that's good, if that's bad, if I need to cut back on spending, if I need to, you know, not need to spend more, but if I could afford to spend more, all that stuff, that's what they help with. And then they send that information over to my accountant at the end of the year who then then actually files my taxes on my behalf and does all that stuff with the IRS that is also quite confusing. And my accountant also does make quarterly taxes for me. So that's something that you'll start to do once you start making a decent amount of freelance income. I didn't do that my first year filing, but once I started making kind of a sustainable income, then I was able to start paying quarterly, which is kind of a relief because then you're not paying a huge amount at the end of the year. You're paying little bits throughout the year. So anyway, that's what the accountant does. They do not go in and manage my books. Some accountants do both. The one that I'm working with now does not. So I had to hire a bookkeeper and an accountant. You know, I think that doing this, if you're feeling confused, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're not a numbers person, I know some of my freelance friends do their own taxes and they're like whizzes at it. That's not me. I am not, I've never been like a math person. I'm also very terrified of uh, getting in trouble. So that was a really smart decision for me. And it paid for itself over and over and over again. Um, the amount of money that I pay my bookkeeper is quite low in my opinion, compared to the immense amount of value and the immense weight that they've taken off my shoulders. So hire a good bookkeeper and, or an accountant, especially if it's your first time filing, like I said, they can be hard to find though. So I always get this question, like, do you have recommendations, blah, blah, blah. I will recommend evolved finance. Like I already said, they're not paying me to make this video by any means, but I, I definitely recommend them. Otherwise it's all about word of mouth. Honestly, if you know somebody in your season of business, maybe who makes around the same amount of money as you ask them who they use for their accountant and or their bookkeeper. That's honestly how I found evolved my coach actually from a mastermind that I'm in. She recommended them to me. And so that's how I, I got working with them. Um, but yeah, it can, they can be really hard to find. It's such a sensitive thing, trusting someone to make good decisions for you. They also get so busy at this time of year. So honestly, if you're looking to hire someone to do your taxes for April, hire them now, like start looking right now because they are just getting booked up and booked up. I mean, even this time of the year, they're really busy, but once we get closer to April, it's gonna be hard to find someone who's available nonetheless good. So that's my recommendation. Lastly, you'll want to understand the tax deadlines. I've talked a little bit about April. I've talked about January. You're probably like, what am I supposed to be paying and when? So I'm gonna read these off to you. They're a little bit different every year, but how it works is I mentioned, you know, quarterly taxes, right? So you have an annual tax return at the end of the year, and then you pay quarterly estimates so that it, it helps 
keep your end of year return manageable. Okay. So there's one big tax deadline at the end of the year, which is usually like around April 15th. This year it is April 18th, 2022 is the annual deadline. So that's when like everybody pays their taxes, even W2 employees, anyone that's the annual tax deadline in the U S now the Q4 estimate for 2021 is due January 18th, 2022. So that's due in like a couple weeks. That means whatever I made in Q4, the end of the year, 2021, I need to take those numbers, do a little math. My, my bookkeeper, my accountant does a little math for me and tells me you are making an estimate of this much. It's a little confusing. Then the Q1 of 2022 estimate is due April 18th. So the same day that your annual taxes are due. So this, this day is a little frustrating. April 18th is like the real stressful day for freelancers because we get double whammy, right? We get it. We have a Q1 estimate due, and then we also have or annual tax return due. So sometimes it can feel bigger than other years if you haven't been paying enough for your estimates and things like that. Then Q2 estimates are due on June 15th, Q3, September 15th, and then Q4 of 2022 is due sometime in January of 2023. So honestly, just like find that chart from the IRS website. They have all this stuff listed. Find that, print it out. If you need reminders, put reminders into your calendar so that you're not missing a deadline. Again, if you hire a good team, they'll be on top of it for you, which is nice. But if you're doing it manually yourself, just put it into your calendar so you don't forget those dates. And then you can prepare for them. Again, you can plan your launches around those dates if you want to. You know, if you need quick cash injections and you're like, okay, I need to make some money because taxes are coming up, you can plan that around those, those deadlines to make sure that you have enough cash flow to cover those estimates each year or each quarter. <laughs> I know taxes can be stressful. They can still stress me out a little bit, but I hope that this episode helped demystify them at least a little bit. I do have another video on YouTube that I'll link up here in the cards. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll link it down in the show notes on the podcast players as well, but it goes way more in depth on taxes and like my experience with quarterly taxes and all that. So I'll link that if you're kind of vibing and want more on this stuff. If you enjoyed this episode, please review the podcast on Apple. Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, please leave me a big thumbs up, subscribe to my channel. I post videos on Mondays and Fridays and leave me a comment. Let me know, do taxes stress you out? Do you feel prepared? Did this episode help? Let me know and I will talk to you very soon for a new episode. Bye.